Hey, hey, maybe. I don't know. Hey, here's an idea. Maybe. Maybe you shouldn't do that. Well, hello there, everybody. Welcome back to Hotline Monday. My name is Scott Johnson with Justin Robert Young for May 16th, 2016. Justin, what's going on? Hey man, what's going? Like this, this is a fun time, man. There's, there's, uh, there's a lot going on. Is it? Is it there? Will there be? I mean, look. Every time we start one of these, there's always this chance. It's a small chance, but there's this chance that nobody's gonna call. And you guys always step up to the plate, even on a busy Monday when people got shit to do. Suddenly, yeah. a call will come in, and it'll be like, oh, we weren't, we didn't do this in vain. So we're counting on you again today, people. No pressure. Well, I mean, I'm just gonna let you know, also, like. You know, this this is kind of a punt of an episode because, like, I was thinking today because normally I'm 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 the one who comes up with the big topic, sure, right? Sure. And so I'm thinking, like, all right, what's our big topic? What's our big topic? Yeah, he'll usually slap me in the like early in the morning. I'll get this like a fish hit me in the side of the head that says, "Duh, here's a good topic," and I'm <laughs> like, "Yeah, he's right. It is. There's a good one." And I'd be racking my brain. So Justin, yeah, I would say that you uh, you you plant a major seed in the morning. Sure, yeah. uh, but I was thinking today. Like all the big movies are already out. Like like the summer movie season has like begun in earnest, uh, just in time for all of its heavyweights to have been here and gone. Right, gone are the days where we wait until July fourth to drop the movie of the summer. Now the movie of the summer comes out in, you know, uh, late April, early May, and and we have a bunch of other stuff. However, what we are going to do is is discuss with everybody here. Mm. What they are looking forward to that uh, now that all the superhero, uh, you know, gang Fs are, are done. Uh, well, are they, though? Are they? Because we got this we got this apocalypse nightmare coming. Right. Like, well, I say nightmare because there's some there's some real trepidatious reviews coming out. Make me real worried about that thing. Uh, that is. Yeah. Ooh, hey, Rick, this one looks like a real stinker. Uh the, oh, man. Yeah. I, I mean, listen, I said this before the show. I'll say it on the record. Maybe it wasn't a great idea to cast one of the best actors working today in a big purple Barney suit and make him waddle around like the penguin. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. And like, and I understand people, if he came out and he was just kind of Oscar Isaac, but he had purple skin, and I think that would be more menacing than making him wear you know, layers on layers on layers like he's walking out in the dead of winter in Fargo, North Dakota. Well, I'm, I'm going to assume that he may still yet be the best thing in the movie, despite all of that, because he's he, he's pretty good at what he does. And he may even transcend the stupid suit. My worry is, once again, a studio that isn't Marvel has figured out or has has failed to have too many heroes in too too much of the screen time with too many faces to keep track of and too many sub stories and they probably just couldn't handle it the way marvel seems to deftly handle it but you i mean i guess that's an interesting way to look at it because normally we say ah hero creep villain creep hero creep villain creep too many too many too many that's that you're overbloated and that's why the movie stinks right and and we just came out of a movie that had 57,000 heroes and everyone was like, yay, <laughs> so great, right? Yeah. So, like, it's obviously not impossible. People can do it. It just, like, you have to be Marvel, I guess, to do it, uh, to, to be able to, to put the care into it. But I, I don't know. But then again, Days of Future Past had more yeah. 
heroes. That it was, and it was okay. It wasn't great, but it was okay. It was yeah. Like, I kind of in in hindsight, I liked Days of Future Past walking out of the theater. Yeah, doesn't hold know. up as well. Yeah. I have certainly not been excited. I, I have not turned it on to rewatch it. No, I don't. I don't even care about it. I mean, the only thing I liked about it. I mean, I think I liked the idea that we were having some crossover. You got the old guys and the new guard coming in and some of the old guard we already knew was going to cross over at the end and we were going to get to see some of those people in their current state. And like there was a nice family reunion kind of thing. You got Kelsey Grammer hucking down the hall as Beast and, you know, yeah. little moments like that that kind of get me a little bit. Um, but then I started thinking about it and I'm like, ah, I don't know if I really needed that. Kelsey Grammer, uh, as a nice reminder, was in the worst of the X-Men movies, Final or Last Stand, which was terrible. But, but I almost feel like that movie would have been better as a third movie. Mm. I, I would have rather seen the, the, the first class X-Men defeat Apocalypse yeah. and then have Days of Future Past be kind of like your big ending thing. Uh, but who knows? I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, there's time to, to go. Uh, I just know the reviews are pretty bad. Rotten Tomatoes currently has it at 57%. That's not the worst thing ever. Um, certainly better than half. But because it opened in Europe early, and this is something we have to start thinking about, we can't do our over under. Monday over-under. Yeah, have of... a pure over-under. So here, that's that's Superhero Talk. And here's some more. Uh, we'll just get this out here. If you guys want to talk about it, you can uh, when you call up uh, and give us a ring uh, again at 801 Eight nine five four seven two four. News today. Yep. Out of Shane Black. Shane Black, of course, the uh, one of the, the the Young Turks, famously of Hollywood back in the early nineties, along with Joe Esterhouse, who uh, led this screenwriter blockbuster revolution where they were selling uh, scripts based on like four words on a cocktail napkin because uh, that was where the the climate of Hollywood was. Then goes on to uh, to do Iron Man three. And uh, says today that he wanted to make the villain, uh, Aiden Killich, mm -hmm. a woman, and was told by Marvel that he could not because a woman would not sell toys. Joining us now as our first caller, whether or not he wants to talk about this <laughs> is up to him, is the uh, Thriller Award nominated Andrew May. Hello, gentlemen. How are you doing? Good, man. It's so good to have you on. I heard, I heard rumor you might be calling and to have you as our first caller is, well, really, it's a pleasure. I, I, it's one of these things where like Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, Justin mentions, you know, the show and I'm like, ah, I keep meaning to call in mm. <laughs> and I'm like next week I'll remember. Yeah. Well, you're the most highfalutin we've had, I think. I mean, no offense to anybody out there who calls us on the regular, but Andrew's a published author and I, I don't know. There's some cachet walking through the room right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, hey. Basic cable television star too. Let's not forget that. Right? Oh yeah. That's right. Everybody. For, basic, don't forget. Not don't pay trust cable. Them. Basic. Yeah, you know, exactly. Free cable. Yeah. The good cable. Uh, all right. So the topics uh, so far today are, are movies that are not superhero uh, flicks or star Wars that you are excited about this summer. Uh, and then also I, I just brought up cause it was something that I was, I was reading about was this, Shane Black, Iron Man three. Uh, they wouldn't let me make the villain a woman. Yeah, and that was that was apparently was back with when when the difference between Marvel corporate and then now where Marvel is now doing more in house at Disney. Mm. So and that that was I don't I don't think that's the the present state of Marvel at all. Well, uh, okay, but let, let me play devil's advocate for a second. If you would have made the uh, 
the 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 Mandarin. Okay, spoilers. We can talk about Iron Man three now, yeah. right? Iron Man okay. three. It's, uh, yeah, the 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 yeah the the, the uh, terms of uh, endearment are embargoes okay. off on all that. Right. One. So as everyone knows, if you've seen it, you never saw that twist coming. All right. So in comes in comes uh, uh, what's his name from Memento? Can't think of his name. And uh, he Guy turned, Pierce. Guy Pierce. Guy yeah, Pierce. Guy Pierce. Turns out he's the he's the 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 Mandarin, and he's got all the tattoos. Red Witch. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> and he uh, he he ends up being the bad guy. Well, earlier you thought it was going to be Gandhi, and it was never Gandhi ever in the first place. So he, that's he was a patsy. He yeah. was an actor that was pretending to be the Mandarin, uh, when really that was just a a way for for Aiden Killich, the villain, right, uh, to to go over stuff. However, what everybody as as they are killing Marvel uh, today, and more specifically, uh, they are killing whether or not this is true. Although I think that there's probably some validity to it. Everybody is killing Ike uh, Pettermuller specifically, uh, who, by the way, as much as anybody wants to kill Ike, uh, let's remember that there would not be a Marvel unless he was the one, one of the main people, the money guy, to save it out of bankruptcy. Sure. Uh, but Shane Black said this when Iron Man 3 first came out. Pepper, in one draft, slept with Alden uh, Killian. Sorry, uh, I've been getting his name wrong. Uh, Aldrich Killian. Because he was so pheromonally enhanced with the extremist that she couldn't uh, resist him. She's <laughs> angry with Tony, and so she sleeps with Killian, and then he makes a sex tape and broadcasts it in Home Depot. <laughs> Is this actually part of Shane Black's script? This Shane Black said this when the movie, around when the movie came out. So let's, if we are to assume both things are true, okay. right? All right. Then we are. it is a reasonable assumption to say that at some point, a lesbian sex tape with Pepper Potts was broadcast in a Home Depot in an Iron Man script that got turned into Marvel. So not since the Royal Tannenbaums have we had such a Pepper Potts uh, same-sex yeah, bombshell. Argo Tannenbaum-esque uh, 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 a twist. <laughs> I don't know, man. Look, if you're, I'm not trying to say I don't want more... I want more female representation in my films. Strong female characters, either villains or otherwise, is exciting to me. I'm all jazzed about that. That's great. But also, at the same time, if you're going to have this MacGuffin Mandarin, who's the stereotypic Mandarin from the comics, and then have him turn out not to be the real Mandarin, but there's this other person who's the Mandarin, do any of the studios have the guts to turn any major villain a different gender if they're not already one or the other? Like, I don't know if they have the guts for it because that's weird. You're not going to make Mrs. Doom or, uh, you know, whatever, instead of Dr. Doom. I'm guessing he still be a doctor. But you know what I mean? They're not going to do it. They'll make him a blogger or some other shitty thing, but they're not going to well, make we, him. We saw in first class, we saw, uh, what's her name? Um, uh, uh, Madman. Uh, oh, uh, oh, oh uh, she played uh, uh, the Ice Queen, right? Uh, no, we, uh, wait. No, you're thinking of the Madman wife, Madman wife. Yeah. And she played Crystal Power Lady. Uh, freaking. Oh, shoot. Chat room. You've got the answer to this. What's the worst? We are just getting murdered. January Jones. She played not the White Queens. That what they call her. Emma Frost. There you go. Emma, thank you. Sorry about that. Yeah. The Hellfire Club. So we had, you know, she was a, a very present sort of dominant sort of villain there. We had that in. In the henchman role, you've had that in uh, the Kingsman. And as far as the main, I mean, listen, I'm not going to spoil anything in any of my books, but let's just say that 
in the literary realm, I've jumped right into, you know, women can be villains too, you know, and using some real archetypes. I think that we'll get around to that at some point. I, I think, think that, again, women, that was, I don't think having part. women's a problem. The problem isn't that women can't be villains. I think even in the most corporative minds, I think the problem is you have a hard time taking, say something like the well, Joker's a bad example because Harley Quinn is basically a female Joker, but in a lot of ways. Um, but, but if you take a, a titular character, let's say, that's the wrong word, but let's say it's uh, Lex Luthor. Hey guys, we're going to pull the rug out from underneath all your expectations. Our next uh, Superman reboot's got nothing to do with Snyder. We're doing it right this time, except Lex Luthor's going to be a, a, a lady. I think that is real daring stuff, and I don't know if any of these studios, Marvel, DC, or anybody else is willing to do that with these. I think that's dumb casting, though, when you just you take the history of a character and you do a radical thing, because then it's not Lex Luthor. It's somebody with that name, and maybe she's got red hair, or maybe she lost her hair, but it's not where let's create new or develop existing. I mean, whenever you try to retcon in a history entirely into somebody new, all you're doing is taking the name. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, yeah, I mean, although... I in in the grand scheme of things, I would take a female Lex Luthor that actually acts like Lex Luthor over <laughs> any yes. Lex Luthers they've given us. Yeah, no, I and, and and Scott, to your point, like just what I agree, I would love, I would Scott, that would be cool to say let's let's mix this up and not have the same sort of standard. You, we get a lot of female henchmen. Yeah. You know, Lex Luthor had you know the the the. The woman sidekick, you who may have felt a stereotypical role there too, mm -hmm. uh, but you know, I, well, I'll tell you what's interesting about what's happening. This, 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 bringing it back to this year of film is. By the way, I understand we're not supposed to talk about Rogue One, but I literally was up last night thinking about Rogue One <laughs> mm. um, uh, and wanted to tweet. Is anybody else awake thinking about this? But we're seeing an interesting sort of reboot, this sort of reboot summer in the sense that, or how to like revitalize you know franchises between Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. Is there new life in you know the Potter franchise with new characters and stepping into that realm? Star Trek Beyond is going to be a radical change from the previous two Abrams movies, which were fun movies, but but box office wise weren't as huge as they would have liked them to be. Yeah. yeah. And then you got, you know, the the reboot of the Bourne identity, you know, because it's like, hey, we can have another guy in that role. Whoops. No, we can't. Mm, and yeah. now bring him back. And then, you know, Suicide Squad's going to be a very interesting play to see. The DC universe, can it be bigger than Batman and Superman? Because we kind of found with Batman and Superman together, it's kind of smaller. Mm. So, well, and then, then you have, uh, you know, well, Now You See Me too is going to try to launch that into it, like a Fast and the Furious franchise for magic. Yeah, which I was going to ask you guys about that. Since you're both here, can you comment on that? Like, I didn't even see the first one, so I have no idea what the what the effort is overall. Like, what is is any of that stuff like... I feel like they're doing a bunch of tricks that are mostly CGI, not actual oh, tricks. Oh, that that was the first one. That was they they kind of that was in the middle of production. Like we need to make it CGI. And I have no problem with that. You know, I, I describe it as if 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 National Treasure was too intellectual for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen. Uh, 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 now you see me. The first film. I can't comment on the second one because I haven't seen it. But I know the first film takes the actual ins and outs of magic about as seriously as, as the movie triple X took physics, oh, right? Like, okay. you know, there's, it, 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 it's fast and loose. I thought it was a fun movie. You know, I, I think it, it, it in general kind of suffered a little bit from, uh, aha creep that like everything had to be, you know, in the same way that where, where the, the mission impossible movies are, are their weakest when everybody's ripping off their face skin nine times mm -hmm. to reveal that they are actually, 
uh, posing as somebody who's posing as somebody who's posing as somebody. Yeah. Um, but in general, it was a fun movie, and you put a bunch of fun actors together, and they they let them have fun, and that was uh, and that was cool. I'm excited to see the second one. But uh, here, Scott's got a list. Yeah. And uh, and and can we take calls while we have Andrew? Oh on? yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So 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 we'll take your calls uh, and with with your movies in here. But let's just go down Scott's uh, list one at a time. And we'll bounce them off Andrew. Yeah. Uh, Magnificent Seven. The remake, Scott. You put this on here. Number one, too. This is a numeric. This, this is your. Is a- this is your number one. Now you got a Western boner, and I'm not just talking about <laughs> where you're pointing right now. I'm saying metaphorically, <coughs> you have an affinity for the Western genre. Why is this your number one? Well, all right, and that, by the way, extends to movies that steal from the core structure of a Western and use it in their world, and those apply to things like any any of the stuff like Mad Max and Waterworld and lots of genre takes uh in in a lot of ways guardians of the galaxy is a straight up western um so and star wars really at its core is a western so i'm i'm a huge fan of that and you get bonus points if there's a lot of dirt and sand and like big open spaces and horses and when we are trapped in that mythos uh that that american mythology the only one that we can call our own uh i am beyond excited super jazzed and i think magnificent seven was an okay movie it's really old and really boring i thought the tv show was kind of pretty cool and this looks like you know you get amton fuqua directing who i like a lot i still think the replacement killers is one of the funnest 90s movies ever um and he does a lot of other stuff some you know training day for one oscar when he is good is very very good when he is bad he is not he's not good when he's bad i agree with that but it looks like a dirty, grimy, jump behind, jump backwards and shoot two pistols at once uh, kind of Western. It tickles all the bones I need to have tickled in that whole genre. They're saving a town. Somebody's got to do something to help these people. How about these seven ragamuffins who don't look like anybody should belong together? But somehow they're going to pull it off. They just had me. They had me at this is a Western and everything after that. It can even be bad and I'm still going. Because I'm into it, man. And All right. Well, Andrew, we'll get we'll get Andrew's opinion in a second. First, here's our caller. Well, what do you what do you say, caller? Um. Well, a movie I'm looking forward to this this summer. Uh, speaking of Shane Black, is The Nice Guys. Oh, is that a Sha- is that Gosling. a that's a Shane Black joint? I didn't know that. Uh, oh, that oh, yeah. it my, is. Yeah. Number one. Uh, I am I am so jazzed for 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 The Nice Guys. You so, know, just so who is it? When, caller, who's in it again? Just remind us. Uh, Ryan Gosling and uh, what's his face? Russell Crowe. Uh, Russell Crowe. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. It. It's ringing a bell now. I saw a poster. I did not know this was a Shane Black joint. Um, and that's you, Justin. You say that's number one for you. I mean, that might be the movie that I leave. If if I'm going to bet what when I leave the summer, which I'm going to say is the best movie, I'm going to that that would that would that would rank high is, you know? is this back to the kiss kiss bang bang kind of shane black this is this is shane black made you know marvel and disney a bunch of money with iron man 3 so he gets to make a project the way he gets to he wants to make it mm. so now we get the nice guys i think the casting seems perfect uh, uh what do you think nice guys magnificent seven well what do you think andrew uh, I mean, I'm a huge, huge, huge Shane Black fan, but I think that I don't think Nice Guys, nice guys is going to hit all the quadrants. I think it's going to be a movie that all love, like Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang, but I don't think it's going to be uh, kind of a thing that because there's no lead female, you know, in any of the posters or the trailers. And so there's there's it looks like it'll be kind of a, a, a great dad movie, mm. which maybe I'm encroaching into that. Uh, Magnificent Seven. Now, I, I would say that 
I'm hesitant to say like Star Wars and things like that are Western genres because I think they're kind of beholden to genres that are sort of and I John I take I think there's a sort of a, a specific sort of genre that implies to because in Magnificent Seven of course is based on a samurai film yeah so you know and there's that a lot of play over between you know action adventure and thriller and that kind of stuff but I'm 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 I love Three Ten to Yuma the remake oh so and good I, so good. But it was not, you know, didn't set anything on fire. And I think that I think Westerns have to come in with a really, really unique kind of way to make it work where, you know, you look at the ones, the breakthrough Westerns, uh, you know, there have been really good ones that have come out in the last 15 years or so, but ones that have just really done great box office. Well, here are the ones that they need. To, this is what they need to do. Here's your here's your formula. Horses, guns, desert. That's the three ingredients I need. Well, and mean, a story. Sure. Give me a story. Listen, listen. But you, but no. You want to know what? I'm going to call you a liar right here in your own show. <laughs> Tell me that uh, that that all those ingredients weren't in the the uh, the the stupid remake with Johnny Depp. Oh yeah, that was a piece so, of shit. But to, to to I mean, there's like, and there's been a bunch. Like, there have been great ones like Open Range, but just it didn't do huge. But Django Unchained was a great kind of mix of a Western and, and slave era story. Mm -hmm. But then you had the Hateful Eight, which, you know, is, is you know, the, the iconic kind of confrontational thing. Box office, you know, you have Quentin Tarantino follow up with that. And that just didn't, you know, that kind of did not well at all. None of them make money at all. The, the, I think the reason uh, this no, is why you this. But this yeah. is why there are hardly any Westerns anymore, because they don't make a ton of money. Now, yeah. when they do, it's because you're doing something big about it and the big part here is you got chris pratt and you got denzel washington there's star power in this thing in a way that you don't have with other stuff and also ethan hawk looks really crazy cool in this uh who else uh d'onofrio's in it off his turn as kingpin now he's a dirty looking old cowboy so like, by the way wait real, real quick django and jane made 425 million worldwide so, so the, the the movies, the Western movie, they, they they can do well, but I think that is going to be a very interesting test. I did make that reference to clarify, but then Hateful Eight did not. Yeah. It, no, did not, did not, absolutely. So and that I, was even more clear in the Western wheelhouse. I agree. I agree. Uh, sure. Yes. I guess one my point my, is that it can make. It, my it my point is one of my favorite genres doesn't get any near the love that it deserves. True Grit did really well. Oh um, yeah, it's true. No, True Grit did well, really well. That was a good remake. Yeah, so. I like that movie a lot. And I don't need them all to be remakes, mind you. I still love Silverado like some kind of idiot. I don't even think it's that good of a movie. <laughs> that that's the thing is you need a prestige writer director or writer director team, and you'd need to not set it entirely in one cabin like it's some <laughs> bizarre stage play. Uh, caller, uh, what do you got? What's your favorite movie of the summer? Thanks. You're looking forward to. Hey guys, it's Gabe, and I guess mine would be another period piece, and it would be uh, Birth of a Nation. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. You know, this, that's the funny thing is the ones I'm naming are the ones I'm excited about, but what I'm actually excited about are the ones that will probably end up being my favorite movies of the year, and I didn't even know they were coming, or I didn't have like an expectation for them. Like Mad Max last year, I had no idea that would become not just my favorite movie of 2015, but my favorite movie of the last decade. Um, and, and I know there's something hiding this year like that, and it probably won't be the, the top three that I think are going to be. I got a pick good. for that, by the way. Oh, you do go for it. What do yeah. you got? But I'm going to say, like, I heard this, this version of birth of the nation is not that faithful to the original. Mm. Jesus. Right. Jeez. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> look it up kids. Yeah. Look, look it up. Uh, it's all right. My pick what I'm hoping will be the delightful surprise. The one that's going to really, really, uh, you know, uh, delight us is the founder oh yeah 
That's Michael Keaton playing Ray Kroc, and it's the story of the you know the creation of the Empire of McDonald's. Right, the guy that swooped in, had all the good ideas, and essentially yanked it away from the the two. Uh, brothers or whatever they McDonald were. McDonald brothers, which, yeah. you know, McDonald's brothers should be very, it's inner, you know, we'll see the, I have a, I have a big problem with a lot of biopics and that, you know, the shortcuts they often take are frustrating to the point that if they go counter to the truth, and I don't know enough, but I know there's a lot of, he said, she said, but Michael Keaton, you know, in the right role is a force of nature, a story where everybody relates to, it's going to get a lot of talk. And I think if it's a really solid movie, I think it has a lot of chance, you know, a lot of opportunity. Plus nobody's really given him crappy roles these days. Caller, you're on the air. What's your, really what's tough. your, what's your take on the hot movie of the year you're looking forward to? Hey guys, it's Dean. I am sorry. Bye. Hey man. What's up? Bro? Hey, uh, now, not too much, Justin. Uh, so I got uh, I got two off the top of my head. Uh, Ghostbusters. Yeah. Uh, because I'm I'm looking forward to to seeing how they how they pull it off. Like that first trailer was so hit or miss with me on how freaking confusing they made it. Like, is it a remake? Is it a is it a sequel? Is it a requel? Is it sure. none of them? Is it logical? Uh, is it logical? <laughs> yeah, that's an important thing in your movies. You know what's interesting, too, because we're talking about remakes or movies that, that get made that don't take any chances, right? Like, um, yeah. you could argue that the reason 310 to Yuma didn't do gangbuster money is because, well, it's a pretty safe remake. There's some nice modern touches, but it's a safe remake of 310 to Yuma. I love it, but it's not enough to be a big box office smash. I actually think take away all the hubbub and the freak out about all female cast of Ghostbusters. This is the thing that will make it unique and not just a rehash again. Like if we don't want a rehash of one of our favorite 80s action adventure movies about ghosts and busting them, then why? what better way to shake it up than completely change our expectations about who the characters are? But I'm with I you. I totally on the tra- agree with that. Yeah, the yeah. trailer's and, and, a real poop show, but yeah. <laughs> the, the other the other one I wanted to mention real quick, uh, and I know that this is uh, either a love it or hate it. Uh, Pop star never stop never stopping the Lonely Island movie. Oh right, so we can we can all right here two two very 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 good comedy discussions uh, that I'm excited uh, I can have with both of you guys here. Number one, Lonely Island, yeah. which I think we can all list ourselves as as big fans of i certainly know andrew is and and i I would certainly count myself as one yeah me too i love Uh, them they're great yeah it's kind of hit or miss when it comes to their 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 feature film stuff we actually talked about uh hot rod uh uh is it hot rod hot rod yeah it's a huge Um, huge movie in my house my kids adore hot rod and so do i but then you have like their 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 mockumentary about the tennis uh uh game that is not quite as good right mm. is, is is maybe you know it kind of uh, overextends its welcome at a very very slim like you know 50 minutes you know <laughs> um so th- this seems to be i mean this is another mockumentary mm. uh, uh ripe subject material uh to to rip into andrew where would you list your enthusiasm for for the the justin bieber lampooning i I, I don't know that it's a topic that I have an hour and a half patience for mm. when it comes to those sort of, you know, thing. And we talked about like, yeah, the, 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 the tennis match thing, which, you know, you, you quickly, it ran out of steam, you know, that one. And then, uh, you know, I think I, again, huge, huge fans alone. I mean, we were back when they were just doing internet stuff and the YouTube stuff and all that. We were fans of that stuff. And, you know, I was making tapes of, you know, our CDs for my brother, so we could embarrass his his wife at the time with you know, vagina claw. Yeah, 
Or the, <laughs> uh, the the I so let me tell you something. Still, one of the catchiest refrains in the history of music is "I just had sex." Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's so good. Yeah, and I would like I sing so, it in the house, and my kids were a little younger. My wife's like, "What are you doing?" I, I will still bump Stork Patrol. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, and so when I watch the trailer, it's like, well, you know, there, one, there's that problem when you do when you try to do parody. Either you've got to make it just way over the top, and we know that it's not in real land, yeah. or you you do something that's pretty close to life, but you know you have, and that's that's a very hard line to follow when you're trying to do parody these days. No, I don't. We're getting, uh, we're getting some loud. Uh, I'm gonna get rid of that. Oh, like, turn down your radio. So. Yeah. Anyway, so with this, and long story short, is that like I mean everything. Like they're great songwriters. They're great at a lot of stuff. But I watched it. I'm like, I don't know if I want to really want to. This is a Netflix movie. Yeah. And, and you want to know what? I kind of felt like. I mean, number one, I just watched a Snapchat story of DJ Khaled and Ariana Grande unironically sniffing flowers and talking about which flowers are their favorite. I don't know if we can get beyond that for parody, <laughs> right? Wait a like, minute. It it was, together they were sniffing flowers? Yes, on Snap. Man, you have to watch it to believe it. It is something amazing that is happening on Snapchat on a daily basis. DJ Khaled is an insane human being, and, and I adore him for his oddity. However, I feel like that movie needs to... I think you're totally right, Andrew. I, I, I don't know if I'm in for a Justin Bieber parody for an hour and a half. Now, if you did a a almost more waiting for Guffman or a Mighty Wind kind of story where you're taking four or five different musical archetypes and you mix and match a lot of their famous friends that like each do their own thing and then you build up to one super concert and have egos clash, I feel like you have more storytelling possibilities that you can hang some of the, the drama on as opposed to let's just point it laugh at this beaver guy, you know, this, this beaver character for, for an entire hour. Yeah. Uh, we've got a caller on the line. What's your take on the hot thing you want to see before this year is up? Hey, guys. This is Don from Atlanta again. Hey, man. Uh, I'm actually looking forward to a movie called Silence by Martin Scorsese. Uh, it's gotten, like, very little press. It's a cast. It says it's supposed to come out this year, mm -hmm. November. Mm -hmm. uh, it has... Uh, What's the? Do you know what the, um, the basic plot is? Like, what's the what's the gist of it? So Andrew Garfield, Adam Driver, Liam Neeson. It's two Jesuit Portuguese Catholic priests face violent persecution when they travel to, to Japan to seek out their mentor and spread the teachings of Christianity. So whole, how um, how is it like period piece kind of stuff from him? It's a yes period. Ah, oh, see now here's something here's something I'd, I'm glad you brought this up. Thank you so much, caller. I love it when Scorsese. When his movie isn't just some mob tale or some modern, you know, like I, I really, I mean, as much as I think Wolf of Wall Street was kind of masterfully made, it just made me sad, <laughs> like in, in a way that's that's very um, contemporary. Like it's just too in my face and too real for me to 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 want to get excited about it. It's like the difference between a slasher movie and a serial killer movie. The slasher movie, I can kind of check my brain out. And the other one, you got to like deal with like actual tendencies of psychopathic people. But I like the idea of any time he wants to go back in time some and explore something with Howard Hughes or with whatever. I mean, listen, I like dude, it a lot. Martin Scorsese could not make a movie under four hours if 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 he tried these days, and I don't think anybody's going to try and stop him. And this is a 17th century period piece about Jesuit priests, killer cast. Adam Driver, Liam Neeson, Andrew Garfield, and it will make a combined 17 cents at the box office. 
I, you know what? I don't know. I mean, if it, if he manages to, because it's a very compelling story. I was I was actually in Japan, and I, I took a girl out who was a Christian missionary <laughs> there, and we're at this one location. Oh, you know what's important about this? I go, she goes, what? I go, they killed all the Christians here. Oh man! <laughs> uh, but it's a a it's a very compelling story, and if it if it appeals to the religious base, there can be because it's yeah. a you know. A, a really, you know, a thoughtful tale of being a missionary. Like, you ever see the, the movie uh, uh, The Mission? Uh, no, wait, maybe? So The Mission was uh, Robert De Niro, Jeremy Irons, 1986. So it came out 30 years ago. Roland Joffe directed it, and it was the story of this, uh, basically, a, a, a kind of a... Uh, a soldier of fortune who who has uh, or you know he basically becomes becomes a Jesuit and devotes his life to mm. you know becoming a you know Jesuit and promoting and in dealing trying to protect an Indian tribe in South America and so it's a very inner, beautiful film very very compelling to, music is really really good that was the one where they end up putting him on the cross and shoving him over the waterfall oh that okay so that's why this is all familiar I've seen yeah. that scene or seen images of that before. So, you know, silence could be like, yeah, I was totally off my radar, but man, like if it's, it's, you know, I, I was, Revenant surprised me. I did not think Revenant was going to do the box office it did, you know, mm -hmm. I was really shocked by how well Revenant did. Mm -hmm. So there is an audience for those kind of survival stories. And if you've got, you know, a strong method message about, you know, faith and what it means to go try and put that on the line and take your message somewhere else. I think that could really appeal to a lot of people. Well, Justin, you said, so you said something that I hear you say a lot, which it's, this isn't a criticism, but it's always about, well, it, that's not going to make any money. And I, and I know sometimes we all get in the mind of the movie draft, but man, am I glad that there's still people making things that make dinky at the box office that I can still catch later on Netflix oh, or something. Sure. Cause I need these things in my life. It can't all be captain America and star Wars for me. It's got, oh, no, 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 this is not again, Man, uh, I, I am I am I'm super bummed that we now have have a uh, not only several independent theaters around, but you got an Alamo Draft House that really cares about bringing uh, uh, independent theaters that are uh, you know that that they are as early as possible in the best possible scenario. I love seeing it. My biggest criticism with this or trepidation is that again, Scorsese does not do anything at a tight 120 minutes anymore and i just don't know if i have a three-hour somber tale of missionaries getting murdered uh, you know in me but i don't know peter what do you think this is a uh, peter fisher calling it yeah well i've got two movies that look kind of interesting for the summer uh one sort of superhero uh, legend of tarzan and also the infiltrator which has uh Mr. White from Breaking Bad in it. Oh yeah, forgot about Going that. Going into Pablo Escobar's. Uh, yeah, d uh, yeah, he gets all. That's super interesting to me as somebody who just came off the Narcos series, and I want to know more about that world. I can't wait for season two. Like I really got into that, uh, so I'm I'm really excited about that. I think that'll be awesome. I'm really excited about his turn on HBO as Lyndon B. Johnson. I think that looks awesome. That's like soon, like a week or something. Is that? Feel a little too on the nose. Not 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 LBJ, but the but but the him in another drug drama thing. Oh, I see what you mean. Um, no, because he's he's in this one. He's a good guy. He's an agent who's, um. Well, I mean, I don't know. You could argue all kinds of things about what Walter White really was, but but he's this seems more straight up like 
All right, you're going in on the inside. You may not come out of this, but you're our only way what to break this up. What saying is that it's a high-tension story that involves uh, maniacs, drugs, and we don't know whether or not he's going to be able to get himself out of this situation. <laughs> no, you may be right. It might be a little on the nose. But what's he's been doing some pretty varied stuff, so I'm not so worried about him uh, in terms of like getting pigeonholed. Or and I, I didn't see Trumbo, uh, so I, I, I can't say you know whether or not uh, you know he was great. And that obviously he he was uh, you know rewarded uh, awards wise last year. So listen, uh, the more I can see of him, the better. But but there's just an element of that where I'm like, well, we kind of know why this one got. What made. about the Tarzan business? Because you got your uh, your Sarsgaard guy from uh, uh, the, what was the True Blood? He's your big Norwegian vampire man. Legend of Tarzan starring Margot Robbie, who is poised to have a very big summer, considering she is the centerpiece of Suicide Squad. As Jane and and yeah Alexander Skarsgård as Tarzan, uh, Samuel L. Jackson as George Washington Williams, and Christoph Waltz as Captain Rom. Yeah, for it. Uh, I have zero interest in this. <laughs> I love a lot of the people in it, but I have zero. There is like like man, you would. I feel like you'd have to have a an amazing kind of director take this on. And David Yates, I've enjoyed his Harry Potter stuff, but I don't know if it's enough. For me to say, like, yeah, no, this this is gonna rock. Andrew, can you muster up an excitement for Tarzan? I, I, and I'm a guy that's I've watched Greystoke. I've watched just about every version you can create, and I think that it's a story that has lost its magic. As you know, we know more about Africa and that continent, and that even though it's historical, set in that time period, it's I don't. Think there, I don't think there's any steam left in the Tarzan story. I think that you have to take things and do things like, you know, if you, you know, the, the best, I mean, the best version of Tarzan is probably Avatar, mm. uh, you know, in, in that sort of the idea of you, you know, the man becomes, you know, I mean, obviously he's not raised by them, but, you know, go to the, go to the far off sort of, you know, alien land or remote land and, you know, mm-hmm. become one. Sure. I just don't think there's, and there's been you look at how many attempts there's been at doing Tarzan and versions of Tarzan and the, the iterations of that you know a friend of ours is Justin or Justin Sears or excuse me uh, Stephen Sears is he did uh, Sheena and you look at like we've had TV versions and all sorts of different approaches to that so I don't know yeah Tarzan gets remade about every other week it feels like so I, I guess I don't have that much excitement for it here's what rounds out the rest of my list Magnificent Seven Finding Dory Star Trek Beyond Jason Bourne, uh, Warcraft. I am very excited about Warcraft. See how this could change the perception of video game movies. We'll see. Free State of Jones looks really interesting to me. I'm a sucker for period stuff. It's all post-Civil War. It's kind of a Western. <laughs> like, I don't know what's going to happen in that, but I'm excited about it. Ghostbusters we talked about and Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them kind of round out my list. Uh, all right. Well, here, uh, uh, Scott, I'm going to give you dealer's choice on this one. Do, do you want to have the Warcraft conversation or do you want to have the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them conversation? Let's have the Warcraft conversation because I've now got... L- let me let me explain something about that. So for the last 10 years, I've hosted, and I'm not saying this in a boastful way, but the most popular World of Warcraft podcast, okay? Flex, that was just, flex, on, flex on them. Let them know. That's just where we were. And I was proud of that, and I also feel very uh, uh, protective of that, and I want to make it good and all those things. And Warcraft's been a huge part of my lifeblood in the last 10 years, no question about it. So when I heard they were making a movie, I got really jazzed and excited. And having a a, a semi-personal relationship with people who 
created this lore, created these characters, created this world. Uh, I have a lot of bias towards it. I, I really love it. So all that being said, I'm running out of movie theater in June to show it. And I'm nervous or have been pretty nervous about how good or bad it's going to be. I like Duncan Jones. This is real weird compared to what he's used to. So I, I don't know what to expect. I like some of the actors. Other ones I don't have real much feeling for. Um, what they've shown so far trailer-wise are kind of terrible. The international trailers are slightly better. Some recently leaked clips look real good. Um, but again, they're just clips. So who knows what the whole looks like. So there's all these questions up and down about it. I finally got to talk to someone who I trust, know, and often agree with. Almost 90% of the time on films and the kinds of movies we like were almost always aligned. I can't say who it is because I can't say what he thought. But I talked to this person who saw it in Los Angeles last weekend. And this person said, I can't tell you anything about the details about the movie. I can't tell you a thing about it. And I just said, can you just tell me if I'm going to like it? And he says, you're going to love it. So I feel a little better about it. And I know video game movies have a terrible rap, and they deserve it. They've all been shite, okay? I admit it. But Warcraft might be okay enough. I'm not saying it's going to be the best thing ever, but it might be okay enough to then put it in the place of like, all right, well, just like comic books, those used to be dumb, but now we figured out a way to make those good. Maybe we'll start to figure out how to make this good. That's my case. That's how, that, what do you say, judge, jury, and executioner? Uh, I, I, I don't think that you would find many, uh, more just uh, diehard Duncan Jones fans than, than Andrew and I, I think we're, we're both the uh, tremendous admirers of, of his work. Uh, I, I, I think that there was certainly something when you looked at those trailers to, to say, I didn't know that they offered, uh, tax credits for shooting an entire movie in the uncanny Valley. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> Uh, which I, I think, uh, if that was not an Andrew line, I feel like uh, uh, Andrew was the first one to tell me that. Uh, <laughs> the, I don't know. I mean, really, the biggest thing, and again, I'm not familiar with the Warcraft uh, world. I'm more familiar with it through Hearthstone. Hearthstone is is certainly, I believe, gets its sense of humor from from uh, Warcraft and 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 the kind of stuff that Blizzard likes to do. It is always a very, hey, look, like yeah, it, it's it's uh, it's sword and spells and wizards and elves and stuff like that, but. It's got some fun to it. It never takes itself too seriously. Every trailer I've seen seems to take itself deadly serious, like uh, as if it is a, an Oscar epic, uh, for which I don't think it, it should be, right? I, I think that that's, that's a weird place to take it. Yeah. I, I don't know. The recently, uh, you know. The recently released clips, they're, they're not released, but these leaked clips probably would help you some because they clearly show there's more sense of humor in there. I'm, I'm really... I, well, I, 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 let me just one last thing. I'm rooting for it. I'm rooting for it for Duncan Jones' sake. I'm rooting for it because personally, not only have I tangentially only had positive interactions with Blizzard, you have uh, you know spoken highly about Blizzard on so many different levels. Uh, the Angry Chicken folks have had great relationships with the people at Blizzard. When I ran Go Games for Blizzard, mm -hmm. they were super rad people, and I very much enjoyed dealing with them. Yeah. Uh, so I, I am rooting for it. However, there's not a lot that I've seen in those trailers that that make me want to go out and raise the banner and say everybody should be jacked about that. All right, Andrew. I'm I'm a super big Duncan Jones fan like Justin. And, you know, he's a guy that when we, you know, Disney bought Star Wars, he was one of the names we were screaming loudest that should probably have a chance at the franchise. 
World of Warcraft, I think the part of the problem is, is we've had so many movies come out that are fan that have been attempts to create these big fantasy genres. You start and I'm not just talk about Gods of Egypt, but you look at like Seventh Son and all this other stuff that have they spend most of you know fifty million dollars on a special effects budget, and we've seen this stuff, and it looks the same to me. Warcraft, like, and that was a problem with the Hobbit movies too. Is the Hobbit, you know, this movie got greenlit. After the first Hobbit came out, which did great, and then each Hobbit movie had declining box office. I've still not seen the third Hobbit. I've watched the first trilogy gazillion times. Yeah. So Warcraft would, on one hand, seem like let's take this genre, let's I mean, let's take this storyline and bring it to film. But there's been a horrible track record of one getting audiences into theaters to see this stuff because we feel like we've seen it. It looks like a video game to me. It just looks like a video game to me. And I think Duncan Jones has probably has, you know, he's co-written a great script that'll probably be really fun or whatever, but it is this big, huge, epic thing. And, you know, in the post Game of Thrones world, it's just it, it's hard to, you yeah. know, when you're we're so used to really good characterizations and stuff, and like, no, we've we've got to go to war on this. I don't care. I've seen that done so many different ways now. Yeah. No, you're you make a really good point about a post Game of Thrones world has messed with the genre in a way that I think is actually good. It's raised the stakes. It's raised the bar. Um, and it's hard to look at one and then look at this, even in even in the cool clips I saw and go, oh, yeah, we're you know, we're working in the same space. We're definitely I, and, not I, things that have me excited. And when you look at like, how can you, you know, Deadpool, which is, you know, done fantastic. And Deadpool says, let's dial it down to this one really fantastic character and get into that. And I think in the fantasy genre, I think that's the thing we want to see. I'm excited about Thor Ragnarok, not excluding it, obviously, from this discussion. It doesn't come out till soon. But when it was described as midnight run across the different realms, yeah. you know, it's like, yes, <laughs> that's what I want to see. Not watch this giant army against this giant army. No, watch a couple, peop couple of travelers trying to deal with small-scale problems on that level. That excites me. Yeah, I, now, I, I agree with that. And I don't... I'm. I'm in under no illusions that Warcraft will provide that, but these these clips are real personal. Like there's a couple of big mo-capped orcs having a conversation near a big camp in one of these clips that got leaked uh, about what their future holds and what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. And it was much more personal and acty than I expected. I, I I don't expect less from Duncan Jones, but think about this too. You know what it opens up against? Mm, I don't. Now you see me too. Oh yeah. Well, was that a huge hit? The first one, I guess it was. It was a big surprise hit. They, yeah. It was a. It was a. It was a film that the studio began actually under promoted because they thought it was going to be a bomb and ended up being you know a new franchise for them. And they're opening that head to head, same male audience, same audience, hmm. same weekend. Weird. Well, so they've already. That, a, they've that's a, a big fight. I don't know uh, who, who do you think goes over in that one. Now you see me too. You think so? Absolutely. You're probably right. I. I. I mean. Warcraft has has played this game. This game, this movie was done last year. They were supposed to come out Star Wars time. They announced the date before Star Wars got announced. Star Wars got announced. They went, eh, no way in the hell we're doing that. So they yanked out of that. They pushed it to weekend of Batman versus Superman before that was settled, which also moved itself out of Star Wars blast radius. Then when that happened, they went, eh, okay, we're going to push it to June. And I think they're hoping that this is just not as big a deal as any of those would be. And certainly it isn't. It's not nearly the competition that those other two movies would have been from a pure box office standpoint, but um, I don't know. I feel like it's just a chance to let here, a real director my, do some real work, you know, see something good with video games for once. Here's my one, my one final note on this mm. is that like, again, 
we are plugged in to the geek internet. Yeah. Right? When a geek internet friendly movie is good, you start to hear it's good months ahead of time. Yeah. They yeah, the, the you're going to like it is the thing they tell fans of an existing genre. I heard a lot of that with Batman versus Superman. Yeah. Yes. Uh, by the way, domestic, uh, Now You See Me made $117 million. That's not too bad. Uh, we got, uh, we got, we got, over Worldwide, over 300, $351 million. Well, that's a, that's a good take. Uh, we've got a caller on the line. Who's this? Hey, it's Buckeye Fitzy from Cincinnati. How hey, man, I'm good. I always, I could, I could tell you were here because even though I didn't know that was your number, I could tell because I felt legally uh, safe and sound here <laughs> while you were here. Anyway, what's going on? So not, not to take us too far from Warcraft or uh, or the Harry Potter Beast movie, but for me, it's all about the sci-fi uh, franchises coming back. I've done a Star Trek segment for Daryl's show for five years, so of course, seeing Jeremy Lin and Simon Pegg do Star Trek Beyond is going to be my highlight. Mm-hmm. But I'm really morbidly curious to see how the new Independence Day comes out because I think it's going to be terrible. But man, it could be really entertaining. So what do you guys I'm think? with you. Okay, so we haven't talked about that, Andrew. Are you? Are you? Uh, I hated the first one. I should put. I should at least, um, you know, full disclosure here. I couldn't stand the first one. I saw Midnight Showing in '94. Well, Brian, um, I think you're wrong. To, uh, sorry, sorry, Scott. Uh, I didn't know that. Just Schwid hated too. I didn't know that. Oh yeah. Oh, all right. Funny because we had this exact same conversation with Brian on Weird Things. <laughs> I, I, it was, I loved it. I mean, it was it like there are movies like that and like an Armageddon that I go, oh, they're 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 re, they're they know their cartoons. They don't hide that fact, and they wonder these big over the top stories. I just rewatched. Um, Independence Day again, and it's a solid movie that keeps moving. It's got a fast pace to it. Uh, and I would say that people who say it's dumb, I'm like, show me a list of your favorite sci-fi movies, and I'll tell you if I think they're dumb. And well, the way I gauge sci-fi movies is whether they're good or not. Is a did they try? Did they crash the entire alien race with a single MacBook running System Seven? Did that happen? Stop. It, that's your problem. That's, that's one of my biggest. Biggest Randy problems Lee, again. Biggest uh, alien technology and uh, laser beams. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sure. That, and, it, and, that, and 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 Scott, that's that's the funny thing. It was like it was like I remember you know a friend had told the story going to see like Star Trek three and Sulu flips some bigger guard. You know, and the guy goes, "Oh, come on!" <laughs> He's like, "That's your problem." Yeah. And remember, just just to explain the history there, they had that alien spacecraft for over 50 years in Area 51 and had been taking apart its systems and trying to figure out how things work. Right. No, I understand. This thing okay, look. The <laughs> let me let me explain why the 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 power book, excuse me, not even a MacBook, the power book with system seven on it, plugging that into some serial port on the ship and having it take down the entire armada. With an interface. With an interface. That bugged me not be and and not in light of the fact that oh you mean it's okay that there's giant continent-sized ships and they have all this advanced technology no it's it's in fact that's part of the problem i've already said no problem there's your conceit i get it you've got right. these huge things it's great there's no way in hell our dopey dude with one freaking power book with no battery life can take down your whole civilization in one fell swoop well that is you ridiculous. know that i don't know if you've ever read the original war of the worlds i have it's bad it's fantastic. The original? It's no, no, amazing. No, no, no. It's amazing, but I'm saying that 
same sort of those same conceits but, are bad. Well, the, the premise of there was that the Martians evolved because they became so advanced and so sophisticated, they got rid of all bacteria and viruses. So they mm-hmm. didn't have any of these sort of natural things that could, you know, that could kill them. And then they they forgot they lost their immunity, which was you know Wells talking about you know might be some racial theory there. I don't know. But anyhow, <laughs> the point is is that that element of the idea that that, that this the simplest thing that was there what they were ignored and then kind of going back historically to invasions that failed because everybody died of sickness or died of this. Yeah, hey, was it, you know, use a computer virus maybe, but like, all right. I mean, I, 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 they're wholly, at least you had, you had a biological systems that could be. All right. Like, you want to know I'm done. I'm done. Going <laughs> because here's all you need to know. Right, about- wait, I got Wait, wait, Scott, what's your opinion on the matrix? Uh, I love the first Matrix movie. Okay, and we're batteries. We're batteries. The least efficient system for converting energy into electricity. We're batteries. You're okay with that? <laughs> that that is that is. You know why I'm stuff. okay with it? Here's why I'm okay with it because it's weird. Like sometimes you can weird me out of my logic problem. Okay. No. No. I'm stop- I'm, I'm blowing the whistle here. All right. You want to know? What? I'm, I'm not going to get into this conversation. Here's all you need to know about Independence Day. Will Smith in his prime. Bill Pullman. Delivering one of the most memorable performances that Bill Pullman's ever delivered. Jeff Goldblum in his prime. Randy Quaid in his prime. Like, this is just such a fun movie that has an amazing cast. And whether or not you you think that the plot is interesting, I think the plot moves no matter what you think of it in terms of it being, uh, uh, you know, it's never boring. They're always going from one place to another and it's always surprising and fun. This is a movie that, like, like Caddyshack, could have a disaster of a plot and just have a bunch of really great talent that is just in such a, uh, you know, in, in the moments in their careers where they can deliver big, like, uh, archetypical performances that would define what they've done going forward. They're just I, always asking me to accept things like, oh, everyone in the city is flat and dead except the dog who barely got out of the way and the, and oh, and the one person who survived, at least long enough, is the president's wife, the first lady, everybody in the rubble. Nobody else lived, but she did. And oh, somehow, that's, it. Well, she didn't live long. No, dude, she didn't. You just she, she wasn't. She wasn't long for the world. No. Uh, uh, it, it's such a fun movie. Also, I was thirteen when I saw it. I so. know, and that listen, and I, I've fully accepted the idea that I was. I don't know what was I twenty three or whatever, and I thought. I just, I don't know what I expected. I came I out of that. You just had some hater in you. I think that, that this was just like you. Know, you had just crossed that line of like movie cynicism uh where like like now you could see the seams and and you know you just had a little hater in you maybe i just i just think it rang I mean, there's so many movies i accept at face value without worrying about these things like jurassic park is just as dumb in a lot of ways but it's but i love it like uh, roughly- and also listen that i mean like for whatever i don't think that it's just nostalgia that you know it, you build up to that bill pullman speech right and it's like it's it 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 rings out forever for a reason because it's big it's fun it's cheesy it's what you would want the beleaguered american president to be saying the day before they launch a counterattack on an alien armada that might surely result in death for the world like it's it, it sets up its stakes well and delivers on it that being said I have zero faith in the in in the in, in the sequel. Uh, I think that for, for the reason that I love Independence Day is so much about the cast and is so much about the plot. If they have a plot that moves at the speed that the first one did, then hooray! I just don't know if they're going to be able to get 
that same performance out of the cast that they have in this sequel. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, we're going to take another call and then we're going to we're going to hit uh, some uh, spoiler territory. So let's uh, see who this is. Hi, who's on the air? Hey, this is Open Bayou. Hey man, it's good hey, to have you up, back. Buddy? What's up? Hey, what's up? Hey, uh, speaking of Independence Day, have you seen the website for the Independence Day movie? No. <laughs> now no, I, the, the history. Is it? There's history of like the last 20 years or something? Yes. Oh, it's no warof1996.com. <laughs> and it's, we're going we're gonna to take everything from 9-11 and, um, and we're going to memorize and we're going to memorialize this, this fictitious war. Oh, wow, dude. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm here. I'm, I'm. I like when they go deep. Scott, you know what you are. You're a truther. You're an Independence Day truther. <laughs> I don't. We're expected to believe they took down the entire alien civilization with one MacBook Pro with a horrible battery life. I think it was a conspiracy. It was an inside the job. Point. The Battle of Nineteen was an inside job. Yep, that's right. The I'm, best part of that website is they have. There's a section that's called um, uh, Personal Tech uh, Evolved from the Alien Warships, and it's Bladeless Fans. Bladeless Fans? Did I hear that right? Yes, like like the Dyson Dyson fans. Oh, right. Okay. And smartphones, drones, and airport scanners. (laughs) They're retconning it. I love it. All right. I actually kind of like that. I'm a big fan of this sort of weirdness. So... So you kind of got me now. I think maybe I maybe I care about that movie I'm more just, than I thought. All I need from that movie is for it to be fun. You yeah. know, I, I'm not expecting it to be what, what what the first one was when I saw it when I was 13. I want it to be fun. I hope it's fun. Uh, I I would not bet on it being fun. I guess that would be where mm-hmm. where I am. All right, here, Andrew. I'm gonna I'm just gonna read off names. I want uh, 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 Andrew and, and Scott. You just uh, tell me whether or not you are into it or not, or looking forward to it or not. Right. Finding Dory. Yes. No. Oh. Dora uh, was the most uh, annoying part of Finding Nemo for me. <laughs> and I'm, it's going to be huge. I'm like, they're going to make a whole movie about a character that drove me nuts. I found her I found her delightful and I'm not Everybody even an El- I'm not even an wife. Ellen DeGeneres fan, but yeah. Uh, all right, Star Trek Beyond. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Hopefully. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to go in on that. I love the idea of a Star Trek movie bottle story. I yeah. like it doesn't all have to be about whether or not the Enterprise is is blowing up, or one yeah. of the main characters is dying. Just give me a good ass, like fun feature film Star Trek story. I'm excited about. I agree, it. Justin Lin too. I'm excited about what he does with that. Uh, Jason Bourne. Uh, yes, meh. I'm pretty excited. I like those movies. I even like the one without him. And I, even though it was a different character, and they were supposedly going to have him meet up and like work together in the next movie. I guess that didn't work out. But they all I, run together in my mind. I like the Jeremy Renner movie. I thought it was all right. Uh, by the way, Jeremy Renner, producer on that McDonald's uh, founder biopic. <laughs> oh, no way, really? Yeah, he, he's a man of uh, many hats. Well, he's a Hawkeye. State of Jones. You're very excited. It may be a little too over the top, maybe Patriot-level cheese. I don't know, but I, I'm i a sucker for the whole era, so I'm in. What do you say, Andrew? Hunt. <laughs> uh, Ghostbusters. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I want it. Just so be good. And, you know, the fear was when they did girl casting, like, well, don't just make it like drop a, drop a bunch of girls into the guy roles. And then we get the trailer. And that's exactly what that looked like. And that's what had me for I'm a huge Paul Fake fan. Big, big, big fan of him. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I, I'm very, very nervous that 
because and 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 the way that they took the sort of the backlash and said, "Oh, well, it's because people are upset that it's women." Like, no, that trailer just was sucked. And by the way, Melissa McCarthy said it sucked. So now we all have it. Of you know, listen, it's it's. And Leslie Jones' character drove me nuts. I'm like, ah, I mean, she plays that great, but man, why couldn't she be a scientist? I mean, yeah, I, uh, he was. Uh, my thought on the Ghostbusters thing is a lot like my Warcraft opinion. If it was good, I feel like we would have heard something about it being good by now. Yeah. Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. Um, I'm really curious. Yeah, hopeful and curious. I have no idea what to expect from that. That's how I described uh, my sexual goals in high school. Hopeful, right. and curious. Um, and finally, Central Intelligence. Uh, remind me. I keep forgetting what that one is. The Rock. And Kevin Hart. Oh, I think that looks like shit. I have no desire in seeing that. Racist. Andrew oh. Maine. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I, it feels like I've already seen that. That was, remember like the Get Smart remake? Yeah. And we had The Rock playing that kind of character with Samuel Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. And also, so, and also. Oh, that was, that was the other guys. The other guys were where they play oh, the right. hero cops at the very beginning. Right, right, All right. right. That's it. But don't forget, um, Kevin, this is the exact same blueprint of every Kevin Hart movie. So you have seen this if you've seen a Kevin Hart movie. Yeah. And The Rock, while I love Dwayne Johnson, I kind of have a, a thing where I'll see whatever he's in. I'd probably end up seeing this. I don't have much hope that it's in that it's, it's much a, better than those other movies. What, the trailers, though, like I, I know I've seen this movie a million times and literally I'm just going to go watch it to see Kevin Hart and The Rock hang out and read lines to each other for an hour and a half. But like, you know, there was like that line in the trailer where uh, because the, the idea is that Kevin Hart was the cool kid in high school and The Rock was this fat loser. <laughs> so they run back into each other and he's like, oh, my God, you're The Rock now. This is crazy. You're like chiseled. He's like, yeah, I, I just did one thing. He's like, oh, wow, really? What's your trick? Every day I worked out for four hours. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, like there's there's funny stuff there. I, I'm actually semi excited that that might just be like a fun two hours in the movie for which something like Keanu was not despite the fact that I was very excited for that film sure all right that is our 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 little uh summer movie that doesn't involve superheroes preview uh fun story almost every week after Game of Thrones or the next day I usually have a call with Andrew where I talk about Game of Thrones and I feel like now we can just do that all right here on the show so scott get your finger on our awesome sounder because this is the segment where we talk about game of thrones here it is watch the throne watch here's the theme song one song one song only (laughs) (laughs) we need a new one it's terrible it's perfect it's perfect it's freaking so bad all right so uh let's do some let's get rid of some you want to do some plugs real quick and then uh dive into spoiler like we did last time or how you want to do this oh yeah 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 okay stickers or diaf uh you can buy sticker packs uh, uh for five bucks it's super fun all your friends are doing it i'm gonna have a better website in the next 48 hours oh wow all right um if you want to be a part of that warcraft showing where I'm very optimistic. And even if it's not great, we're all going to have fun together. Look, I did this with Spider-Man 3 back in 07, and we still had fun together, even though that movie was poo. So come see it with us if you are in the Salt Lake area or somewhere around where you want to come. Uh, Tom Merritt will be there, Brian Nibbett, his wife, uh, a bunch of people. Uh, so come out and uh, be a part of it. You can get tickets still, although they are running out quick, so you got to hurry over at frogpants.com slash warcraft. All right, that's it. That's all I got. Uh, wait, um, Andrew, uh, any plugs? Uh, check out my book, Station Breaker. Um, 
that's available right now. Uh, my book Station Breaker, and uh, actually, if you get like if you're what's the treasure chest thing you do with uh, Tom? Oh, the 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 loot crate. Yeah, actually, yeah. if you if you get that, you're gonna get a copy of that anyway. So don't bother. No, that's it. right. Yeah, if you support over at uh, currentgeek.com yeah. uh, with the loot crate thing, uh, we, yeah, we're pretty jazzed about that actually. Station yeah, I haven't Rager. actually set up the download code for that, but I haven't forgotten, sir. Yeah, yeah, no, I, it's, uh, we're we're just super stoked about that. So um, yes, check out his book if you haven't. You should. And there's a Angel huge... Killer, Name of the Devil, on Audible, by the way. Oh, nice. Two of my books. Who did the reading? Who who did have voice him? Um, her, I forget her name, but she did a great job. She's the, she's the, cause it's a first person point of view of a woman. So mm-hmm. for me to, I auditioned <laughs> Wow. <laughs> under another name, <laughs> uh, but no, she's a fantastic job. So, all right, well, good. Um, all right. Plugs are out of the way. Game of Thrones season six, episode four happened. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, by the way, uh, Jennifer O'Donnell is the one who, uh, narrates. Oh, there uh, you go. All right. A great job. Uh, so where do you want to start? Thrones. Yeah. Where do you want to start? What do you think? I loved it. Uh, um, I thought it was great. It was a great episode. I loved every second of it. And I have a... Oh, I have this comment to make. Um, and I talked about it on TMS this morning, and I'll just bring it up again, because why not? Uh, it's appropriate to the conversation. Uh, the There is a clear, very... There's a departure this year. Away from... Not nudity, but... Gro- uh, uh, gratuitous nudity meaning meaning nudity 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 meaning that people aren't naked for no reason if they're naked at all there is contextual story sort of driven moments uh the same way you might say of a tarantino movie uh with profanity or something they, they it punctuates dialogue in a way that that is important to what tarantino does i always use that as an example and i'm totally cool with that what i don't like is movies and tv shows where they're doing it just because they're HBO or just because they can for no good reason at all that doesn't push anything forward, that doesn't actually help us with any characters and is out of context. This whole season has been that way, and I think it's great because well, it doesn't annoy – it annoys the hell out of me. Like, okay, there's a scene in this one where three prostitutes are brought in by Peter Dinklage and crew to give to these trader dudes that they're trying to you know, get them to make this deal with them. In season two or three, I guarantee they would have walked in buck naked sure. and sat on their laps. In season yeah. six, they opt not to. Why? Because it doesn't require it, and it doesn't feel exploitative, and it doesn't feel like HBO just filling out a checker or filling out a checkbox of how many boobs we had this week. Well, sir, you and I part company on this topic. Uh, and and uh, I, I back Andrew's play. Uh, uh, let, let just for the record show, we don't have to linger on here, but uh, I very much enjoyed the the uh, the the sex position of the first three seasons where they would literally just, oh, we got a lot of lore we got to get out of here about, you know, who was betrothed to who and the the battle at the fork. And then there was Sir Robert and, you know, and they would just have people banging while they, you know, like downloaded all that lore. <laughs> yeah, kind of- I hated it. I hated Oops. it because it was just, it was just like for a bunch, it's for all the freaks out there that are just getting all titillated. Who gives a shite? Like I want it, I want I want it to be more like the books. We don't have to say on it. Listen, but they lose their meaning is all I'm saying. It loses its impact after a while. So uh, I'm not even arguing against the impact. Like, okay, final scene of this one. Khaleesi standing there with a burning, raging thing behind her, buck naked because her clothes burned off, but she remains unburned. Not only is she naked, but you also get tons of context, story, reasoning, uh, purposeful nakedness. Sure. I, I guess I just don't feel that that is diminished. If there was a bunch of boobies uh, in in with the prostitutes, like it's fine. I liked it the way it is. They can make the decisions the way they, the way they want to make the decisions. 
That's all right. Uh, that's totally on them. I'm just saying it doesn't matter to me when it was a more cheesecakey show and you had a bunch of banging and boobs all over the place. Like, I like that show. I like this show. Like, I, I, I don't. Uh, that's not a sticking point for me. Well, right? the reason it's interesting is because supposedly all the female actors got together and petitioned this and said, look, we don't mind being naked occasionally, but can we please not, not just do it for the episode. hell of it? Yeah. Well, we have it was a reason. More, more Amelia Clark than 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 anybody else. Because- yeah, which is ironic because she's the first one to really show it off that's from the main cast today or yesterday. Yeah. So anyway, I but just think, I think it's interesting. This is certainly a, I mean, it is evocative of the scene from the the finale of the first season where she walks out of the funeral pyre and uh, inspires one Kalasar. Now she inspires literally the entire Dothraki horde, uh, you know, to to bow at her feet. Uh, And a a juxtaposition with the end of last season with Cersei being shamed by her nakedness. Yeah. Yeah, and a sense of her power was sort of totally, you know, whatever po- remaining power she had in the public's eyes was gone. Yeah, that's and- really interesting. I hadn't thought about that. It's, you're you're the same state of nakedness, but one is exuding this incredible uh, power to to bow and, and give a knee to her, and the other is like, oh my gosh, she's covered in eggs and food, and this must suck. So, <laughs> so know? let me ask you this, because Andrew, I know in our conversations we were kind of a little like, you know, not impatient, not like tapping our wrist and, 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 and foot to like, okay, when can we get through this Vase Dothrak storyline? Uh, I found that to be a tremendous payoff, and I loved the moment. Uh, was it worth the time to get there, Andrew? Well, I'll take you to our, our conversation where we're talking about, you know, how are, you know, what's going to take it in Dothrak? And I'm like, well, remember, she has her two dudes about to rescue her. Yep. Yeah. You know, and we got a, and that was like saying, like, I, I don't think we're, I don't think it's going to play out the way we thought it would, but like, we have those two ready to go in there. Mm-hmm. And they ended up being sort of superfluous, other than, hey, can you guys lock the door from the outside? Yeah. yeah. Great. Yeah. I got it from here. Yeah. And I think that uh, uh, I, this, if I have one criticism this season, and I'd rather criticize it this way, it moves so fast. Oh, yeah. interesting. Um, I don't know. I've really enjoyed it. The tone is right for me. Like everything about the season has really got me, man. I, oh, I love it. I, I, I love it. I just think that I, and I, I prefer it to ones that have way too much table setting, but you're, there's some of these things like, man, I could, I could spend a little bit longer with this, a little bit longer getting a little build up here, but you know, they're, they're it's a show on a mission now. And, do you, do you and think part the, of it, do you think part of it's because, you know, in the old days, but meaning seasons previous to this, you knew a red wedding was coming or you knew that um, Ned Stark was going to get his or whatever. And as we built to those moments, you were interested in seeing how the show compressed or decompressed those, those storylines, what characters they leave out, which ones do they include? Who's new that was never there in the first place. How do they get from point A to point B and shoot his dad on the toilet? Like, like all of that stuff's interesting from that perspective. If you've read the book, obviously not everyone had, but or read the books. Now that we're into new territory, I feel like it's Christmas time because I'm getting well, stuff I have no idea where it's heading. But know? also, it's in the you know way to conventional television works is you're renewed season to season, and then when you have a hit show like Lost, you know after it becomes a hit, then the producers get kind of a bigger payout for do like you know season three and four, and then they get into the deal making for what do you want, and they want to they want an exit because they don't want to be making a show after a certain point, but then the, you know the studio might say, all right, but we need two more seasons, and they've got to stretch out whatever was going to happen and you know run out of story we're here 
there's a big, huge story that we know we're coming to. And I think that, uh, you know, Benoit and uh, Weiss want to do that really, really well. And they realize, you know, we need to we need to tell get a lot of things out of the way. Yeah. And they got some things out of the way. Like they uh, when I saw what's her name pop up with um, with Rick on, I got I went, oh, I like her. She's badass. Let's get this going here. And then once again, you know, Ramsey's is a dick and does terrible things and did a terrible thing. And but it did feel like, all right, well, we got to hurry up and wipe out some of these characters we haven't had answers for for a while. Uh, and it's very George R. R. Martin to do it. You know, like none of it feels out of context for the way he would also kill off a character we all thought was maybe going to come up again and be important. But boom, you know, down she goes. And I think that's set up for the fact that, you know, when they, the she and uh, uh, Shaggy Dog's owner, I can remember the dog, oh, <laughs> show up. Rick on, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I forget the name of the, the, the person who's the, the guy who brings them there. You know, you're, if you're, if you're a little suspicious, you know, like, all right, he's not taking the oath. There's something suspicious there. They're probably, they're probably running a con on Ramsey. And then when he kills her, it's to sort of set up the idea of how dangerous and volatile he is. But we still don't haven't acknowledged that yeah this whole thing might be a setup yeah um when he killed his dad it was pretty great i loved it i've i i hate that guy and love that guy i just everything about it it's just ringing all my bells i i think i think that there there is it has not rung that way for me however i can understand a criticism with the ramsey character of like okay how many times do we need to highlight that he is a monster you know that we that he is this this like ravaging awful human being uh you know he has uh, probably at this point the worst resume of people who has uh, done awful on-screen things to characters that we either care about or are sympathetic to do you think it's possible they're setting him up to be the polar opposite uh to Jon Snow in they're both bastards I, I think I think he's very clearly the big bad for Sansa John mm, right mm -hmm. like the, the, I think that they this now, season yeah. will end uh or or will hinge on a resolution to dealing with him and they are building him up to be a sufficient monster for them to uh react against mm -hmm. uh in in the same way that now in the Esso storyline you see in in twin elements Tyrion doing the that what Tyrion and Varys can do the best, right? The, the the diplomacy, getting people on their side, working in a hard situation to make the deal. Whether or not that deal goes south, we'll see. And Daenerys kind of becoming, in you know, in, in a way that we've spent about a year and a half, uh, or or a season and a half, looking at her as like, okay, so yeah, you're this legendary godlike figure. Now actually try to be a mayor, right? Being a mayor <laughs> kind of sucks when you have all these other elements that are trying to do stuff and now you see her kind of renewing that like yeah guess what we'll see uh we'll see how excited anyone's gonna be when you have three roving dragons and the entire dothraki race not a kalasar but the entire dothraki nation running all up in your city uh, uh raping and pillaging and that's before they make their way across the narrows or not the narrow sea but uh, across the great uh you know salt uh, plane, whatever the Dothraki call it, to go sack Westeros, uh, which seems to be uh, in King's Landing at its weakest with the Lannisters. So sure. Oh, and the uh, Sparrow thing, and oh my gosh, it's so complicated. It's so great, dude. I just love it. And every scene, it's almost like they only get one scene each. 
hey everybody i know you're supposed to be on this week but sorry one scene only there's not enough room we gotta move on to the next guy the other big thematic element this week was sisters standing up to brothers sisters uh uh uh, you know uh, giving uh strength to their brothers you see it with sansa and Jon snow you see it with marjorie and loris tyrell and and uh, uh of course you see it oh man i'm forgetting the third one well, you see it. Oh, oh with, with the Greyjoys, with uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Theon and, and his sister. You also see a bit of it with Cersei and um, Zippy, too, with, um, I can't think of his name now. Jamie Lannister? Jamie, yeah. There's a little bit of that going on there when they go and confront the farting preacher and uh, <laughs> whoever, whoever else they were going to talk to in the small uh, council. Kevin, Kevin Lannister and, and uh, the, the Queen of Thorns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, that's, that is, I think like this was an episode where we got to see everybody doing the thing we want to see them we got to see sansa you know a bolstering just a a a, a huge pair of lady balls to be like no no no. guess what we're marshalling an army and we're gonna sack our home uh our home turf and 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 if you needed any more uh motivation which is funny because we see uh uh john snow march off at the end of the last uh episode with this very like my watch has ended and, and you thought he was just going to like throw down everything and walk right out the gate and, and kind of, uh, uh, you know, chuck up his deuces and say, see you later losers. Uh, right. and then this episode, he's kind of like, yeah, I don't know, man, maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll go back to college. Maybe I'll, uh, yeah. you know, maybe I'll take up watercolor. Like he, uh, he doesn't have a lot, a whole lot of motivation. And then he just gets a double barrel dose of like, Oh, my sister's here and she wants to go retake restaurants. Yeah, I guess I'm into that. Oh wait, now this, barbarian awful monster of a human being is not only going to taunt me but also he has my my little brother uh now giving him more and more motivation and also giving a huge uh uh, a huge uh a ticket for the wildlings by having ramsey bolton basically lump the wildlings into what he's going to do to hurt Jon snow well, he'll also have to he'll have to grapple with the Iron Islands people because there's no way that doesn't turn into some sort of alliance against Ramses at some point. Well, I mean, right now they they got to worry. I mean, basically, so that's that's a good question because if Theon's sister, whose name uh, escapes me right now, wins the king's moot, mm-hmm. uh, then you would imagine that that would be something that they could build a, a coalition toward. However, if uh, Euron uh, wins the king's moot, then who knows what his motivations are going to be? Yeah. Which I will say, he's, for the last time ever, it's something that the book readers uh, uh, know know how that works out. It's one of the few plot points that has been in the book. That's true that they haven't touched on yet necessarily. All the brand stuff great. Next week, we are officially out of things that we know as of next week. Yeah, that'll be the end of that. The cabinet will be bare. Uh, any. So I guess just predictions before we head out, uh, how, how the rest of the season is going to go. Like I, I, I'm, I'm enjoying the ride. Like I haven't in and I mean, I've always enjoyed it, but I'm really enjoying it right now. And I have no reason to think it's going to slow down or turn into poo. So I'm, I, I I'm think that this, this is a resurgent season for me, not to say that I didn't enjoy last season. However, there did seem to be a little bit of uh, fatigue of like, how far are we going to spread these people? How far are we going to spread Jon Snow north of the wall? How far are we going to spread the uh, uh, Tyrion from King's Landing? How far are we going to uh, spread Daenerys before she starts to make her trip 
to Westeros. Now we feel almost a little whiplash from the momentum of like, oh, wow, we're moving fast in terms of our resolution. So uh, I, certainly an excitement. Yeah, I, I, I'm at King's Landing fatigue now where, you know, we're we're getting into the Cersei sort of, you know, puppeting Joffrey storyline and this sort of power struggle thing, which has been going on since all of last season and with High Sparrow, who I love. But I'm like, this is somebody's got to do something, you know, it's like, yeah, I know this is serious. We got to, And we got that, that sort of the setup, like, oh, we need to help and put our army together and make an action. It's like, yeah, please do this. I'm tired. I'm tired of these discussions about how powerful, you know, the king, you know, how this high sparrows ruin. Why is he still alive? Why haven't they done, you know, a, you know, it, at this point, it's like, it feels like it's his bidding time, which is getting fat fatiguing to me a little bit. The, the, when he started talking to the kid, Tomlin, about you know kind of gaining a little bit of sympathy from him and not just per, total opposition to what well, he's I doing mean, he in 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 defense of the high sparrow everybody he's locked up in that cell has done really awful things yeah oh yeah you know for and so and comparatively he 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 could be argued if there was a moral center he kind know, of I, has he kind of has here's the funny thing about him he kind of has a point anything but uh, go for that sweet man love <laughs> But he kind of has a point. He lied. The about only the only part. See, I actually, it's funny because I actually think everyone around him is as big of a douchebag as he thinks they are. I just have a problem with him thinking that he should be forcing anybody to do anything. But outside of that, he kind of has a point. He does kind of have. I mean, it it it, it is a power play, mm -hmm. right? He is looking to seize control of an element of uh you know the 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 power structure there. I mean, that's yeah. that is that is fairly clear. But but Andrew, I mean, to your point. That, that there was King's Landing fatigue, did you find, so so you did find the idea that like, hey, look, let, let's stop this fussing in a feud. Uh, you run up in your <laughs> army, uh, you stand down, and and let's, let's you know, let's kill all these MFers. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I would have liked to have seen this happen last season, you know, so or right after the, 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 I, I, the you know, the, pay, the payback for what happened into last season, you know, because we're four episodes in, and it's like, you know, it's and I, I'm you know falling into that. I don't need to see Cersei manipulate another kid. I don't need to see this these storylines. I'm kind of I love love and love her. I'm tired of her character. I want to see, but don't you want to see the the mountain smash more heads in and stuff like just being a big old broody thing that's always yeah, scary as I shit. Mean, I do kind of. I kind of. I mean, do. we got that before. You know, and I, I just, I don't know. I'm excited when the story gets really shaken up and goes in different directions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they did. I, I mean, the way that thing ended, we're in for some fun. Like what, whatever, whatever her role is now, the entirety of the most hordish warlike people on that, that planet. Just understand. Clegane Bowl. <laughs> That's right. It all comes back. To oh, Clegane dude, Bowl. Well, in. And it's What's like they never die and rise hyper than before. Go ahead. Well, it's like and it's like we had, you know, three episodes ago, two episodes ago, you know, Jamie comes back from Dorne with his, their murdered daughter. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, yeah. Remember Dorne? That's a thing. That's kind of maybe an act of war kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But let's get back into this religious priest who's really screwing with you right now. You know, it's like it's like it's interesting. It's like, man, like this is let's. They have to get back Do to the something. Dorn thing. Yeah. yeah. People. I think Use your teleport boat to go back to Dorn. <laughs> hey, look. Max MacBook System 7, take down the whole alien armada. That's where you're at with this. I get it.
I've been there. I know what's up. I mean, uh, listen, anyway. uh, all, all thumbs up, though. Great episode. Great season. Uh, I'm so excited that we are doing this show while this season is unfolding because I am pumped to be able to talk about it in a, in a public setting. Me too. Uh, it's almost like its own podcast. And hell, we almost went long for uh, almost two podcasts in a row here. So uh, we'll we'll cut it uh, out. Uh, Andrew, I can't thank you enough for hanging out with us, dude. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for having me. That was and really fun. We didn't fun. get into the Harley Quinn spinoff movie. No. Oh, that, yeah, that got announced today, didn't it? I guess we don't know much except that they have a lot of faith that she'll be able to carry that and do good, and I'm sure she probably will. I don't know. Does that give you hope about that movie? Does that make you feel like, you know, if if the studio's showing that kind of faith in a spinoff of Harley Quinn, that they are feeling pretty good about what's happening with with? Uh, I never Suicide believe Squad. anything until the movie comes out because, one, they don't know. Like, you know, the Batman versus Superman took Warner Brothers apparently by surprise. They had no idea it would be trashed the way that it was, mm-hmm. which means whatever they were seeing and what we saw, what was going on in their heads was very different. And they and then remember they did that that preview a week before BVS with all this great reaction, you know? And it was like it was like they hired some firm to carefully target and select people from Twitter who were gonna who are just prone to loving things. And so I and when I hear like, oh, yeah, they've already greenlit the sequel before a movie comes out. That used to always be like, yeah, that probably means it's crap. And they're trying to create buzz by telling you how confident they are. Yeah. Okay, do yourself a favor with DC and Warner Brothers. Understand that there are three sources that wind up getting all these scoops. The Hollywood Reporter. Yeah. Birth movies, death and specifically Devin Farchi and Collider, which Collider gets a lot of the like the 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 cleanup stuff like the like oh look here's a deleted scene that kind of makes more sense of the Lex Luthor thing Devin Farchi winds up getting a lot of the negative stuff of people hating each other and and hating these decisions or or wanting to backdoor stuff and Hollywood Reporter and I guess this Heat Vision blog winds up getting a a lot of this sort of rumory stuff and and that's what this is is literally they just want you to think about DC in a way that isn't about Zack Snyder and the Justice League because they are very obviously trying to take away a lot of his power, and that's why they've added Ben Affleck as as an executive producer. And they're gonna and then they just don't want you to think about Batman vs Superman because that is at this point now that all the numbers are in an unmitigated, fireable disaster. Mm. All right, there's DC in a nutshell. I think you just yeah. described it. Uh, well, good. Well, Andrew, it was awesome having you hanging with us, man. Thanks for doing Thank that. Thank you. I appreciate it. It was totally fun. Uh, we've given you all the plugs we're going to give you. That's going to do it for us, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Justin, everything else to add? See you next week. All right. Oh, don't forget, Hotline Monday on Twitter. Justin R. Young on Twitter. Scott Johnson on Twitter. Andrew Main on Twitter. You can also email us, hotlinemonday at gmail.com. And keep that number handy, 801-895-4724. Next time we do a live show, that'll be next Monday. That'll be 5 p.m. Eastern. That's 2 p.m. Pacific right here frogpants.com slash live. Thanks you guys for being here. We'll see you next time. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this broker. <laughs>